You are listening to the weekly message at Woods Chapel Blue Springs, where it doesn't matter who you are or where you are coming from. Everyone is included, accepted, and loved. For more information, please visit us at woodschapelblue.org. It's fall. Fall is here. It got cold this week. And one of the things I love about fall, at least in our neighborhood, is uh, we saw one yesterday, actually driving home. Uh, hot air balloons. How many of you seen a hot air balloon? We saw one out yesterday, and uh, just a few years ago, uh, in 2019, the spring of 2019, uh, I was driving home, and I'm on 470, and I'm near 470 in Woodchapel Road, if you know where that is, and and I see a hot air balloon, right? And this hot air balloon is like really low, and we're in a like there's a subdivision around there, right? There's 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 nowhere to land a hot air balloon. And I'm like, what is happening? And then I just see it go down. And so I exit. And I, I got to find out what's going on. So I drove into a subdivision and I saw this pit, this, right? So there's a bunch of cars out there. And, and uh, if you're Amy Thompson, you like this balloon. Some of you hate this. <laughs> we won't get into that. But uh, so here is the balloon. They, they emergency landed in somebody's backyard. And then they came through, go to the next one, right? Uh, made it through to the street, go to the next one. One more, they landed, and then literally uh, the hot air balloon just, like they took it down right there in the street. And so I got out and I was talking to people like, what's happening? Well, they were supposed to be able to make it further and they were getting low on, um, I don't know, propane. I don't know what they burned. I used to think those balloons are full of helium and they're not, it's just, it's just hot air. The enclosed balloons have helium in them, right? Those balloons are just, they heat the air, and the, as the hot air uh, goes to the top of the balloon, it goes up, and then there's a little release valve up top, and, and then it goes down, right? And so I was talking to somebody, and they're like, well, I, I, you know, we don't know what happened. We ran out, or didn't make the winds were stronger than we thought, and so we saw some houses. We didn't want to be out in the middle of nowhere, uh, and there was a lake nearby, and so they landed in this little, uh, this, somebody's big backyard. They had a couple acres or whatever. I want to make the argument today that the kingdom of God is like a hot air balloon. Right? And you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, Mike. <laughs> I did that on purpose because Jesus did this. This is how he talked about and he used stories and things that they would have understood. Not that all you understand hot air balloons necessarily, but you know what they are. But Jesus told stories and he taught via story. And he used these stories. We call them parables. Parable means to come alongside, right? So Jesus came alongside people stories uh, that made them think differently about what the kingdom of God is. Because what is the kingdom of God? If I were to ask you what the kingdom of God is, what is that? It's the thing which we're trying to live our lives to be a part of a community that is called the kingdom of God. Clarify, because somebody asked me last week at the church, what is the kingdom of God? What is that? What does that mean? And the kingdom of God is not the eradication of evil. The kingdom of God is not the eradication of bad things. It's not the eradication of hurt and pain. Like It's not utopia. The kingdom of God is not utopia. We're going to read about this here in a little bit, but every time Jesus tells a story about the kingdom of God, he tells a story about evil and struggle and hurt and pain existing, but he invites us into a place to respond to it differently. So in the kingdom of God, Jesus, this is what it looks like. Jesus came to teach us to live a, a different way of life. He invited us into a different kind of community. So the point of Jesus' message wasn't about an afterlife. While we believe that there is something more when we pass on, that there is more to life, there's spirit, 
Jesus' message, the kingdom of God, was about here and now, right? Not about a place when we die, not about paradise or heaven. The kingdom of God is here and now, and this is what it looks like. Most of his ministry, he uses phrases like that. We've been specifically focused where he says stuff like, the kingdom of God looks like this. Uh, we opened the first week with the Good Samaritan. The kingdom of God looks like this. Your neighbor is. And what's interesting is Jesus used somebody that was hated, the enemy. I actually get accused of this quite often. Jesus spent time with people um, who were not considered the good people. Right? They weren't the religious elite. They weren't even average everyday people. He hung out with prostitutes and drunkards and gluttons and uh, uh, Samaritans. Right? Samar- These were the bad people. And not only does he hang out with them and invite them into a different way of life, he takes those people who are hated and despised and not liked, and he makes them the hero of his stories. So I, I, the, the teachings that Jesus taught us are to take those who are marginalized, those who are hated in our communities, and we lift them up and we love them and we include them in everything. That's what the story of the Good Samaritans like. We all experience people, experience groups of people that we don't like. Just takes those people and he lifts them up. I don't like to say those people. It's just we're all in this together. So the kingdom of God looks like the people we don't like, the people who don't look like us, who don't think like us, who don't talk like us, who don't act like us. The kingdom of God looks like being the hero in the kingdom. Uh, the second week we talked about, I don't remember, wedding. Listen, that was two weeks ago, folks. I don't remember these things. We talked about uh, the story Jesus tells about bridesmaids, right? And how we need to be prepared. And often we aren't prepared in life for the kingdom. The kingdom is all around us. The kingdom is already here. To make it the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God are the things that we do in order to change our behavior, right? In order to change the circumstance of those around us. What we experience and what the kingdom of God is. And there is a gap, right? There's a space in between. And so it's important that we are prepared for that. Now, last week we talked about treasure. Now, the kingdom of God, some of us might use the language of we believe we found something different. Discovered this way of life that Jesus asked us to be a part of. Or that we are experiencing the kingdom of God now. And when we find that, and I hope most of you find that or at least experience it from time to time, that's like a a beautiful piece of jewelry. It was a pearl, right? And what do we do with beautiful jewelry? Do we put it away and hide it? No, we wear it, right, for everyone to see. Or it's like treasure. If we have treasure, if we have wealth, our job isn't to save it and to hide it and to put it off in some 401k. The reason we treasure, we have treasure. I hate to use the word blessed with treasure because it's a decision, not a blessing from God most of the time. But if we have treasure, we're to share that with other people. So if we're to look at it as a blessing from God, we're to share that with other people. And that's where the story last week came in, where this man, treasure hidden in the field, and then he goes and sells everything. He's all in to go buy the field. Or the merchant who finds the most beautiful pearl sells everything he has to buy this pearl. That is what the kingdom of God, that's what this message, that's what this way of life is all about. Today, I'm going to talk to balloons, uh, and Jesus is linked today. The story that we're going to read is linking the kingdom of God to debt and to forgiveness. Now, how many of you uh, are upset with somebody right now. You don't have to raise your hands, but Aaron's upset with somebody. All right. Uh, my daughter's upset with somebody. Good. Good. If you're upset with somebody, this is normal. This is natural. This is the way of life. Again, the kingdom of God is not the eradication that we're not going to have people upset with one another. The 
kingdom of God looks like, how do we respond to it? So uh, Jesus talks about forgiveness. And I think that he talks about forgiveness quite often because we struggle with this. How many of you feel like you hold on to things and that it builds up? Like somebody hurt you, they say something, they, they uh, offend you somehow. I mean, we see it everywhere, right? We don't have to be in close proximity with somebody. We read something on Facebook or on Instagram or Snapchat or whatever vehicle you use and you get mad. You guys do this? I'm like, this is so ridiculous. I think our nature is that we will get hurt. And our nature, when we let that pain fester, the little things of life fester inside of us, it begins to grow and expand like a balloon, right? And some of us have a little more hot air in us than others, and so it might grow just a little bit more. The kingdom of God is like a balloon that, that blows up inside of you. And when we experience the point isn't that we don't experience pain. The point is that when we do experience pain, we know how to deal with it, that we are prepared to make a different choice and to a different way of life. Uh, and I think we struggle with that because we want to keep it inside. I mean, I, I can't remember how many times growing up I heard my father say to me, suck it up, right? Push it down. We don't talk about it. We don't release the pain. And, and guess what that pain does to you? When you're hurting, when there's pain, it presents, uh, it clouds our, our judgment about the person who hurt us. It clouds our judgment about everybody we come in contact with because it bleeds over. It's not just about that one person that hurt you. It bleeds over into now it's all people are here to hurt me because that one person did or, or a certain person for you, whatever that looks like. And Jesus is like, we have to let go of that. Forgiveness is a way of life. And I want to read the story that he tells, uh, that he tells in Matthew 18. So, uh, at this point, Jesus had just, uh, he's talking with a group of people and he had talked about how we deal with conflict. So earlier in Matthew 18, he talks about when people, when there's conflict, here's how you deal with it. You go to the person, you talk to him. And so as soon as that's done, so we just talked about how you deal with some kind of um, situation. Uh, Peter asked this question. He says, at that point, Peter got up and had the nerve to ask. Now, master, how many times do I forgive a brother or sister who hurts me? Seven? Now, this number seven is interesting because in Jewish, you only had to forgive somebody three times, Right? Like, I've contemplated becoming Jewish so many times. And so, uh, but th that's human nature, I think. We want to know what the rules are. And if we follow them, that we're better people, right? And then we want to know if we repercussions. And we want to know how many times we can do that. Or how many times we can forgive somebody when they do that. Because that, in theory, makes life easier. And then we're better, we're right, and they're wrong. And so their law would have been that you forgive somebody three times. Okay? So he says, how many? Uh, he doubles it plus adds one. So he's like, seven times? Like he's being generous, right? Or maybe, maybe he's being sarcastic. I don't know. Jesus replied, seven? Hardly. Try 70 times seven. And then he gets... So Jesus often uses hyperbole. Hyperbole just means that he uses very extreme situations to get a point across. And so uh, instead of seven, saying seven, he says seven times 70. Now, does Jesus mean 490 times? He's using a very extreme number because you're not even able to count that many times, right? And I promise you, I've exceeded that with my family. So they have forgiven me or those of you who work with me. Uh, but he's using hyperbole, right? What he really means is it's 
input on forgiveness. He says, the kingdom of God is like a king who decided to uh, square accounts with his servants. So think of banker. Uh, sorry, Laura Bowen. Uh, but think of, think of a banker that's calling a note or calling debts. So instead of king, and so he says, so think of a banker that's coming to, to call your, say you're mortgaging our house, right? That's the story he's telling. He says, as he got underway, one servant was brought before him who had run up um, a mountain of debt. And it says it was 10,000 talents. Again. So we don't know what 10,000 talents means. So I'm going to give you some perspective. Uh, a, one talent in Jesus's day was 6,000 denarii, right? So now you understand. So, man. So, so a denarii was one day's wages, okay? So if you put that in today's term, what's the average person make? 25, 30 bucks an hour, somewhere around there probably. So say it's 200 bucks a day. Uh, that's, that's one denarii. One talent, which is their largest sum of money, was 6,000 denarii. Right? So probably over a million dollars in today's money. If you had one talent uh, in, in monetary terms, you had one talent considered rich and wealthy. So this person acquired 10,000 talents. So 10,000 and then add... Uh, well, actually, take a million dollars and add four zeros to that. What is that? Ten trillion? Isn't that right? It's a lot. Don't make me do. Don't make me math right now. Okay. So the point of this, it's a lot. It's unfathomable, actually. It's in the trillions of dollars. It's unfathomable that a person could even spend that amount of money. Now, my son would try, but I mean, he would attempt it. But you know, uh, and it's a lot, a lot of money. So, so Jesus is using a hyperbole again, right? So this person. An unfathomable amount of debt. He couldn't pay up, so the king ordered the man, or the banker ordered the man, wife, children, and goods to be auctioned off at the slave market. Laura, is that what you do when somebody doesn't pay their mortgage? Laura's saying yes. Okay, good. Um, the poor wretch threw himself at the king's feet and begged, chance, and I'll pay it all back. Right? Trillions of dollars. I'll pay it all back. Uh, Touched by this plea, the king let him off, erasing the debt. Right? So this man who has a ton of debt, lots of debt, who has been erased, bakes the king or the banker, and he forgives the entire debt. He doesn't even say, pay me off. He says, you're forgiven. It's forgiven. All this debt. The servant, uh, who was no sooner out of the room, so the guy whose debt has been forgiven, when he came upon one of his fellow up to a friend, who owed him a hundred denarii, right? So 6,000 denarii is one talent. This guy only owed him a hundred denarii, so a very small sum of money. He sees him by the throat, so he grabs him by the throat and demands, pay up now. Forgiven an unfathomable amount of money, turns around and does what? He does not pass that on, it does not flow through him. It stops with him, and then he is asking somebody else for a very small amount of money. This is important. So the guy who's being held by the throat threw himself down and begged, give me a chance and I'll pay it all back. But he wouldn't do it. He had him arrested and put in jail until the debt was paid. When the other servants saw this going on, they were outraged and brought a detail. Right? So he doesn't forgive him. He actually throws him in jail, which we all know is a great way to pay back debt, right? The king summoned the man and said, so this is the man who's been forgiven all the money. He summons him back in. You evil servant. I forgive you when 
you begged me for mercy. Shouldn't you be compelled to be merciful to your fellow servant who asked you for mercy? The king was furious and put the screws to the man until he would pay back his entire debt. And that's exactly what my father in heaven you who doesn't forgive unconditionally anyone who has asked for mercy. I'm going to read that again. Did you hear that? Jesus does not paint a very good picture of what it looks like if we are not forgiving. He says, and that's exactly what he's going to do to each one of you who doesn't forgive unconditionally anyone who has asked for mercy. Now, I don't like that last sentence. And I, I want to unpack that just a little bit. Uh, because that last sentence portrays a very angry, judgmental, and mean God. Uh, and it portrays God like uh, he has a magnifying glass and like we're ants and he's going to torment us, right? Now, while I believe in that statement, I believe it speaks more, t- uh, less to a God and more to the fact that if we act like this, right, what goes around comes around, right? I don't believe there's a supernatural being that's going to punish you for this. I believe what you put out into the universe, which, how you comes back to you. The way we describe this is that God is a part of that. And when we describe stuff that comes back around to us, we, we project it onto God. But I believe it's, it's so much bigger than that. It's the way we treat people. Right? This is the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them. So what we put out there, the way we treat people, will come back to us. I believe that is the heart of the message of what Jesus is trying to teach to people. If you're judgmental, if you're mean to people, if you don't forgive others when they forgive you, Jesus teaches us this prayer. Uh, Father on earth as it is in heaven, forget, forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. Jesus finishes that prayer and he says the exact same thing. For those of you who don't forgive your debtors, who don't offer forgiveness, things won't be good for you. We see a pattern in Jesus' message that people who treat others like this, that aren't forgiving. And what I find interesting about this story, while it's a made-up story, right? We don't believe this thing actually happened. Jesus analogies to come alongside people so they can understand. I believe the message of this story is that we often think of the big debts or the big hurt or the big pain in our lives. If I were to ask you right now, where, who is the person that's hurt you? What is the thing that has hurt you in life? I want all of you to think of that right now. That's pretty easy to identify. And sometimes that person who has hurt you, it might seem overwhelming to offer forgiveness to that person. I believe what Jesus is doing in this analogy is he breaks it down, the macro and the big, and then he talks about the small, right? The first step in changing our limbs, the first step into the kingdom of God looks like forgiving small debts. You see, it's the little things that are inside of us that fester and grow, and they build up in us, much like a balloon or a hot air balloon, right? Something happens, and then it sets, and it festers, and it grows, and it grows, right? I, I went to, we served at the Welcome Inn, and we had friends there that we shared a meal with, and, and we just lived a little bit of life together, and we, we handed some books out, and, and we just had a really good time. The line was wrapped around the building for the first hour. And I got there, and I was frustrated. Um, I was venting a little bit, because Sean and Chris were there, and I was like, Argh! And Sean looks at me after I got done venting. He's like, you good? I'm like, yeah, I think I'm good. It's like, I just needed to get that out. 
don't get that out. How many of you let it set inside and fester? How many of you, like your balloon of hurt and pain, looks like that? For some of you, by the way, just so you know. Some of you, it looks like this, right? And as we experience hurt and pain, if we don't deal with it, if we don't let it go, this balloon will just keep expanding and growing and getting bigger and bigger and bigger until it does what? Pops. Now, how many of you are poppers? Ashley Horton is. I can see her in the back. She's raising her hand. That was her self-designation. I, I, I popped yesterday. I popped from time to time. Um, ask my family, I probably pop more than that. Uh, it just grows and grows and grows and pops. Now, how many of you, uh, and I may have done a combination of these things yesterday, and you got all this stuff festering inside of you, and then you have an audience, and then you let it all out. How many of you do that? Uh, the ups and the downs and all over the place and you just blah and you verbally vomit. Y'all do this? I know you do. You're a quiet group this morning. I mean, this is, I, I tell you this every week. It's supposed to be interactive. It's not just me speaking. It's I, you put yourself in a situation where that's the analogy, right? You get all this stuff going on inside of you and you haven't dealt with it and then it just, either it pops or it explodes and you fall apart or it just, right? And you're all over the place. I was talking to a friend this weekend about this, and, and this analogy came to me while I was talking with him, and he's like, you know, somebody said something, and, and it sat, and it festered with them all week long, all week long, and he didn't and we're talking about it, I'm like, you're being ridiculous, right? This is, this is not what was meant by that, and we had this whole conversation, and, and it wrecked their week. One little thing, I mean, that was a small thing. It wasn't like, you know, somebody like kidnapped my child. It wasn't that great, right? And, and, and I think often we either pop or we let go of the balloon. I think Jesus invites us. I had another balloon somewhere. Oh, there it is. We'll shoot this one. Okay. I think Jesus invites us into a different kind of life. And I'm going to blow this balloon back up. Actually, I want all of you. All of you underneath your seat or the seat next to you has a balloon. I want you to grab it. Now, some of you, some of you, when your balloon starts to, you sound like this. Right? You like that sound? We whine about it. We let it go and we're all over the place. But what if there is something else? What if there's a different way? A different way to deal with our pain. Because again, in the kingdom of God, the pain doesn't go away. Hurt doesn't go away. Harm doesn't stop. It's dealt with in a healthy manner. What if there was something or, or, or someone that as this builds up, that can walk us down a path that they think of somebody holding us? And what if that nozzle was just barely a little bit at a time. What if that pain and that hurt just slowly, slowly diminished? 
I want you to place all of your hurts and pains inside these balloons. Actually, I want you to carry these balloons around with you everywhere. Put them on your dash, put them on your mirror, blow them up, deflate them. I don't care what it is. I want this to be a symbol to you over the next, actually, several months. I want you to think about all of your pain and hurt. I should have known better. Quick story. I did this flashlight thing for Christmas. And it was supposed to be this intimate moment of like, you know, turn your flashlight and turn one off. It was dark in here. And we had like three services. And there was always like one kid in the back, like thinking it's a lightsaber. <laughs> so I should have known better than to trust my friends. Um, but, but think about it. Now it's my daughter. Think about it. I want you to place all your, your, your hurts, your pains, everything that needs to be forgiven. I want you to think about this balloon being in that. And... I'm going to talk in a very abstract term, but I do believe the term I use is God. I believe there is something that loves us, that wants to just hold us, that wants to cradle us. But I believe that something shows up in the form of another person to walk this path with us, to embrace us, to live life together. It's in our conversations, it's in our venting, it's in our healing and working through these things that, that when somebody is literally holding us in their arms after a hard time, that that balloon begins to deflate. And it's not just the big things, it's the small things, the little things. And we work our way up to the big debt, but we start with the small debt. I don't know where you are in your journey of forgiveness. And I want you to hear me this morning, that forgiveness has nothing to offering forgiveness to. I want to be clear about that. Forgiveness is about you. You see, when we hold on to things, when we don't let them go, like we give somebody space in our heart. When I was talking to my friend, I'm like, you are giving this person way too much space in your heart. Why just can't get over it? Why? Right? We, we talked through it. I, I, I felt his balloon go down just a little bit in that conversation. Y'all, the world is hurting right now. Mental health issues. There is, there is more hurt and pain. And there's more opportunity for forgiveness right now than I've seen in my entire life at 42 years old. And it has to start with you. We have to be the kind of a different kind of life. To exist for a different reason. To let go of things. Not because it's damaging to the person. Because it's damaging to us. You see, when that balloon grows and grows and grows in our heart, it just takes up all the space. There's no space left for it. Guess what gets pushed out? Love. I want everyone this week to focus on deflating your balloons, letting go, forgiving people. And not because they deserve it, not because God wants you to. While all those things may or may not be true, God wants you to. That's a given. But because you understand that this is a way of life. And as you forgive and deflate and release and forgive, it changes you. Often when I talk to people, they, they're like, if I forgive this person, are they going to change? Probably not. It's not usually how it works. Now, I'm not telling you you should remain in a dangerous situation. What I'm saying is the, if you have a problem with somebody, who's the only person you can change? you. Who's the only person that can offer forgiveness and control that? You. Ways, uh, 
as you both inflate and deflate your balloons this week, let's go to God and ask for God's help in this. God, we thank you for the opportunity to love. God, we thank you for the opportunity. God, it's not easy. A lot of us have deep, deep hurts and pains. God, things we have not forgiven people for. God, help us to move through that. Help us to let go. Help us to release those pains. God, even by saying it out loud, God, help us to let go and to forgive. God, as we pursue that, as we pursue life, we just ask for your assistance. God, I know you often show up in the, in the form of another person. God, help us to be open and receptive to that. Help us to be open and receptive to another person's to their struggle. And help us to be there for them. Help us to be your hands and your feet. Help us to cradle those and love those around us. And help us to share each other's burdens and show Thanks for listening to this week's message. See you again next week.